Do you ever worry? In a world filled with troubles and trials, it's easy to become anxious. We worry about our current circumstances and what the future holds for us. God tells us that the answer to anxiety is the person of Jesus and the promises of God. Would it help you to know more about this? Keep listening. This is the Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davy continues his series through the Gospels with this lesson called How to Kill Anxiety. I remember growing up as a child looking forward to reading the comic strips in the Sunday newspaper, and I enjoyed Charlie Brown. I remember reading one time he announced to his little friends, I have a new philosophy. I am only going to dread one day at a time. (laughs) Well, As we begin our study today, that's the sense I get from John chapter 14. Peter and the disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. Jesus has just announced that he's going to be betrayed. He's told them he's going to leave them, and they're suddenly filled with anxiety. You know, we can all relate to anxious thoughts, can't we? Uh, We know what it feels like when the when the wheels sort of come flying off our carefully laid plans. Well, thankfully for the disciples and for us, Jesus is going to provide three principles, three truths that we need to remember when anxiety begins to set in. I like to to think of the fact that, that Jesus is telling us here how to kill anxiety. And here's the first of three principles to remember. Principle number one, Christ is completely trustworthy. Here in verse 1, Jesus says to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The word for troubled here is terasso. It means to be distressed in turmoil. It means to be crippled by anxiety. By the way, Jesus isn't giving us suggestions here. These are commands. You can literally translate this, stop letting your hearts be troubled. Keep on believing in God. Keep on believing in me. In essence, he's saying, keep trusting me, even though you don't understand what you're, you're about to see happen to me. Disciples, keep on believing. So Jesus begins by reminding them that he is completely trustworthy, no matter what it looks like around them. And they need to stop agonizing in their hearts. Now, the next few verses have been considered really through the ages, some of the most uh, comforting words in all of Scripture. We all struggle with anxious thoughts, painful moments. Every day, uh, someone listening to this, this wisdom journey is learning of a cancer diagnosis. Someone I'm speaking to is anxious they might lose their job. Someone is is deeply worried about a child or a, a grandchild that's running away from the Lord. And there's probably somebody out there afraid their marriage is on the verge of, of collapse. Add to that the troubles in our own nation's uh, future, the, the economy, global threats. Let me tell you, it's easy to, to join Charlie Brown and start dreading one day at a time. Well, what are we to do? Well, here's the advice of the Lord Jesus, who, by the way, is only hours, a few hours away from the cross 
of Calvary. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Keep on believing in me. So the first principle is that Jesus Christ is completely trustworthy. Believe this truth. Focus your mind on this. Remind yourself of this truth often. Here's principle number two. Our future home in heaven is a promised reality. Jesus says here in verse two, in my father's house are many rooms. You could translate that dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, if you talk to people about heaven, you're going to get a variety of impressions, and a lot of it isn't really all that encouraging. One honest little child named David was asked, what's heaven like? And he said, well, heaven's kind of big, and you sit around playing a harp. (laughs) One little girl answered the question by saying, heaven will be the happiest part of my dead life. (laughs) Well, what does the Bible tell us about heaven? What's it really like? The King James Version translates this verse, in my father's house, are many mansions. Well, this translation has sparked a lot of imagination that kind of falls into the category of what kind of house am I going to get to live in if I'm a really good Christian? Well, the word used in the original language is monet, and it can be translated rooms or abodes, estates. The truth is every Christian has a room, has a dwelling place inside the Father's house. Nobody's two blocks down the road. So Jesus is not saying here that if you're a good Christian, you're going to be, well, three blocks or maybe just one block away. Or if you're really good, you're going to live inside. If you're bad, you're going to live 300 miles away. No, we are all inside the Father's house. Now, this was immediately understood by the Lord's generation because when a son married his bride, well, they just added a wing onto the Father's house. When another son married, well, they put a wing on the other side, more than likely, So eventually, the original dwelling would become a set of dwellings that enclosed or encircled a patio in the middle. So, beloved, you're not going to be living, you know, miles away from the Father, depending on how good you are, and and you're not going to live in a shack if you didn't send enough money up ahead. Beloved, we will all live under the same roof. Why? Because we are all the bride of Christ living in the Father's house as believers. We're going to be in the immediate presence of the Lord forever. There's another misconception here that comes from Jesus' words, I go to prepare a place for you. Many people have, you know, pictured Jesus with a hammer, maybe some blueprints. Uh, He's engaged in the process of building. I even heard somebody say one time that it was a good thing the Lord was a carpenter, so he'd know how to build. Well, that's utter nonsense. Let me tell you, beloved, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He didn't start hammering nails and and engaging in a construction business. The Lord is referring here to the fact that he has gone before us. He's leading the way so that we can safely follow in his footsteps. Jesus is our forerunner so to speak. He's already climbed through the dark tunnel of death. He's, he's ripped the stinger out of death. He's, he's made a clear path from this earth to heaven. So your home in heaven is already a promised reality. 
And keep in mind when John writes in Revelation of his tour of heaven, there's not scaffolding anywhere. It's already finished 2,000 years ago. Now, there's one more principle that will kill anxiety in your heart and mind. Not only is Jesus completely trustworthy, not only is heaven a finished, promised reality, but now principle number three. Here it is. Your future is guaranteed permanently. Here in verse 3, Jesus tells his disciples, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Well, that tells us he's coming for us. This tells us we're invited not just to a place, but to a person. He's saying here, heaven is my father's house. I'm going to be there. I've, I've built it for you, and I'm going to come and take you to be with me and live there. That's a guarantee, beloved. Whether your faith today is, is weak or strong, whether you have little faith or great faith, whether you're a mature disciple or you're just beginning your walk with Jesus, whether you've been a Christian for years or you just received him, perhaps last weekend, You're on your way home. Death happens to be simply the hand that opens the doorway into heaven. About a hundred years after the Lord ascended back to heaven, the Greek scholar Aristides explained one of the reasons for the impact Christianity was having around the world. He, He wrote these words, If any man among them, that is the Christians, passes from the world... They rejoice and offer thanks to God, and they escort his body as if he were setting out from one place to another nearby. I like the way one songwriter put it when he wrote, We will step on shore and find it heaven. We'll take hold of a hand and find that it is God's. We'll breathe new air and find out it is celestial. Yes, one day... We will wake up in glory and find it home. Do you have an anxious heart today? Maybe some unanswered questions, some fearful things taking place, doubts. Of course you do. That's part of being a human being. (laughs) This is God's word then for you. You're not home yet, Christian. There's coming a day when all your fears are going to be put to rest, when all your tears of sorrow and sadness will be wiped away. Well, in the meantime, (laughs) if you want to kill those anxious thoughts and apply healing to your hurting heart, well, here it is. Jesus Christ is completely trustworthy, regardless of what you see happening around you. Secondly, your home in heaven Well, it's already prepared. It's waiting. And third, your future with Christ, because of your faith in him, is guaranteed forever. One day Jesus is going to call you to himself. It could be either by death or through the rapture of the church, which could happen today. That will be the day when you and I are finally, finally home. Well, until then, 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called How to Kill Anxiety. Stephen has two other resources that can help you further if you struggle with anxiety. Or maybe you have a friend you'd like to help. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash anxiety. Stephen has a full-length sermon called Killing Anxiety. You can listen to that message free and on demand. It's also been turned into a booklet, and you can find information about that as well. Again, it's wisdomonline.org forward slash anxiety. It will help you. Join us next time on this wisdom journey.